This is The Playbook. Good morning, everyone. Live from Mexico City with my best friend, Blaine Bartlett, mentor extraordinaire. Blaine Bartlett.com. I just want to give a huge shout out of gratitude for Blaine waking up so early there in Whoopi Island with our book right behind him, uh, The Great Compassionate Capitalist. I will tell you, Blaine, there's a lot of people, uh, for whatever reason, asking about compassionate capitalism uh, these days. So I mm-hmm. just put that onto your radar. How are you, Blaine? Hey, I could not be better. Uh, I was just sharing with Andrew a little bit of a kerfuffle around daylight savings time. But uh, other than that, uh, but you've got so much jet lag going on right now, I don't think you even noticed it. No, I didn't. But I did notice one thing uh, and before we bring on uh, Andrew Amen. You know, it's so interesting. I have looked, there's certain things in life you look at all the time. And we talk about awareness. And the interesting thing uh, that I see about awareness is, for example, I went 25 years without realizing there's a little arrow next to the gas tank on your car dashboard uh, until someone pointed, pointed it out to me. Uh, then the another one that was fun was when Miles was three and I was potty training him. He said, well, dad, I go to the triangle bathroom. So I never noticed there was a circle around women's bathroom and a triangle around uh, men's bathroom and a triangle and a circle around the multi-purpose uh, bathrooms. But the latest one for me, and it's like exactly the wrong time to learn it. I never realized there was PDT and PST, which is Pacific Standard Time or right. Pacific Daylight Time. And now <clears throat> we're not, and you know, I've been in, uh, Dubai, Barcelona, Mexico City, and I'll be home tomorrow for Miles' uh, birthday. And, and happy birthday to Cynthia, by the way, from yesterday. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, of course, Justin and I, who you know, Justin's the head of my media, we're like, oh, great. After the last change of, of clocks, I finally learned the difference. Uh, so anyway, anyone out there that wanted to know PSD, there's a standard time and a daylight saving time for those that don't change clocks and those that do, uh, which leads us here. We're doing a special edition of Office Hours. Uh, so we're multicasting it uh, as usual, but for our Friday training, because I'll be tra- uh, traveling for Miles' birthday tomorrow, um, which is going to be especially special for me. He's turning 13, so I got all, all teenagers and adults in my life. Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, we will bring on our first guest for this special different edition. Andrew Amen is here, CEO of 923 Venture Studio, 923.co. Welcome to Office Hours, Andrew. Thanks for having me, David. I appreciate it. I got to change my name, though. I just noticed we got double A, double B. I should be <laughs> double C. I got double D up there, David, at D Meltzer. Uh, but, you know, Blaine and I talk about engagement. And, you know, it, it's a, a huge epidemic. W- worse than the, the COVID for business, that's for sure. And, and that epidemic is that <clears throat> very few people are engaged in what they do. And I personally think it's because of technology. And what I mean by that is that it's not just what everybody thinks it is. I think people get away with getting their jobs done so easily because of technology. And the bosses who look like, unfortunately, look like Blaine and I, because we're trying to change that. But because the bosses look like Blaine and I, we don't know any better with, you know, wow, well, they're doing a great job. They're, they're doing the same productivity that 10 years ago, even better. And meanwhile, they're working like 5% of the time. And then they're bored or they don't know what to do. You have a unique story of carrying 100% retention through the pandemic. Um, and I'd love to know, you know, number one, 
if technology is something that we can use to engage people and two, you know, how'd you do that? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, the first thing we did was we really focused on the team itself. And when you're a remote company, especially through asynchronous work, you're really trying to understand what the benefits are of working asynchronously. And it's being home with family. It's being supportive of uh, like a home life balance, but you're working in other people's homes. So there's kids and dogs and pets and family members walking all over the place. And so what we do is we, we support everyone in their situation and we have the, the ability with asynchronous work to allow them to work on their hours. And, and what that does is it really gives them the ability to uh, have a timing, like a timing of their day, a timing of their week, so that we can be supportive of that. And if a message comes out at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, the response can be at 8 p.m. their time or 9 p.m. their time. But we have to have the systems and the ability to allow that communication to be asynchronous and the processes and procedures in place to show that those individuals can respond when they need to. Yeah, that 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 notion of asynchronous or synchronous timing uh, gets to be interesting. Uh, yeah, when I, and this goes back to the uh, mid-1990s, I was uh, heading up uh, a good chunk of Nokia um, leadership development process globally. And we, and we did one of the very first asynchronous you know, virtual team you know, development programs for them back in the you know, late 90s, uh, mid, mid to late 90s. And the asynchronous time was the one that was uh, really the bugaboo in that. Uh, now, in the, yeah. The Zoom technology was very nascent at that time. I mean, it was just, you know, <laughs> right. clutched, clutched together. It right. wasn't Zoom. It was, you know, whatever we could make up. But the idea of you know, getting people on the same page at the same time, yeah, which is important in a physical environment, mm -hmm. became less important in that virtual environment. But we had to find ways to make accommodations for that. So with your organization, what are some of those ways that you've actually accommodated that so that people actually can experience connection, although it's asynchronous? Right. So the first thing we do is we have the core working hours and those core working hours are based on Eastern Standard Time Zone. And that's when most of those meetings will occur between the team members. Then we have the customer hours, which basically is Eastern Standard Time Zone again, but allows for from noon to 4 p.m. And, and that, that's the time in which if you are working on a customer project, you do need to be on the customer calls, but you might have your entire morning free to go to the gym, to take your kids to school, to do all of those things. But from a company standpoint, what we do to support that is we allow for the communication to happen inside of a channel in which everyone is working together on that specific project. Mm -hmm. And once you group the individuals working together, it allows them to form a small team and a small bond which end up creating a cadence. And so they'll have a daily meeting, that daily meeting will turn into a daily update. And then each individual will somewhat in that week have the same repetition. You know, maybe at 3.52 PM is when a person signs off, but you start to get used to that. And so it's almost like, you know, it's kind of like a menstrual cycle, right? Like everyone that's within the same room kind of like joins together and they start having the same cycles together. That kind of is what happens with a, a team itself. Yeah. And, oh, good. Go yes. Nope. 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 Yes. And, and Andrew, uh, with that in mind, I would assume that when you have a hundred percent retention rate and you have hyper engagement, that your recruitment uh, is off the charts comparatively as well. Even when it was difficult to recruit, obviously with even more layoffs uh, today and tomorrow coming up, 
Uh, it's getting easier to recruit, but more importantly, you're recruiting at the same frequency or the same level. Uh, when you're retaining the same employees, people not only want to have the jobs that those people have, but they're recruiting people for you. Yeah. So the recruitment process, we use a system called EOS. EOS is uh, by Gene Wickman. And you put your people and values first. You find the right people to go on the bus. And so we've now incorporated those values into the recruiting process. And it's a longer recruiting process. We do test challenges. We ensure that they match from a value standpoint and a culture standpoint. But that allows us to pick the right people. And the recruiting is not as hard as the maintaining. Getting a person that is of value to stay with the company is just a challenge because they're being sought at and recruited by others. And so even with the layoffs and stuff, you are kind of worried that your company is going to be the one that gets pulled from because you have such strong engineers and strong individuals that have been with the company so long, you hope to not, to not allow them to be bored. And so that's why I think the venture studio comes into play. We, we have 27 projects last year, 26 of them were on time, on budget. We have great procedures. And of that, an individual, instead of moving companies, can move between a project. So we can do a last mile delivery project and move them to a trucking app, or we can move them to a stock trading app. And if they get bored of that, it's not like a startup that's just building a stock trading application. And they're like, well, you know what? Stock trading is just not for me. They can move within our company without leaving. And that multi-venture you know, paradigm yeah. that we have allows mm -hmm. us to do that with the individual. I love that. Uh, the idea of that kind of flexibility. You know, I know that you were a nuclear uh, submarine yeah. engineer. Yeah. And you know, th this will seem almost like a non sequitur, but it really isn't. There's a link here. Um, old mentor of mine years and years and years and years ago, a fellow by the name of Will Schutz, Dr. Will Schutz, uh, was commissioned back in the 50s uh, to mm -hmm. do some studies with the uh, nuclear submarine group when the Nautilus was first launched and yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. And it had to do with team composition. Because what they were finding was what was usually used to compose traditional team structures on you know the 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 the, the vessels wasn't working on the nukes because they were submerged for so long. Yeah. There was a lot of stuff going on there, and he ended up coming up with a theory that uh, essentially you know was proven. But he said that there's three three dynamics that come into play: inclusion, control, and openness. ICO: yeah. inclusion, control, and openness. Inclusion. Uh, am I uh, likable? Right. <laughs> okay. Right. Uh, control. Do I have influence on decisions that are affecting me? Yeah. Okay. And um, openness. Uh, am I significant? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do I? Yeah. Do yeah. Do I count? Right. So that yeah that ICO inclusion you know, uh, significance likability and decision making control. What I'm hearing you say, and this is the link here is that in the way that you've actually put together your your uh, internal structure, and it is a back office play, it really yes. is, uh, addresses those three very well. Yes. Uh, and, and there's enough agency in it that people can actually self-select. Correct. And, and so boredom, by definition, doesn't have a place to land. Correct. Yeah. And there's another great book. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but it's, it's like Ship All Aboard. It's by another nuclear submarine engineer. Yep. Yep. And they teach the same things. Uh, and he, he adds to that by saying one of the most important things on a submarine was, uh, you know, in a submarine itself, you're, you're, you have the captain that's like creating the commands. If everyone else would repeat the commands and have ownership. And so that ownership matters is what you're suggesting as well. Yep. That allows the entire ship to know who's responsible for what 
and who has the ownership and the right and the ability to speak up. And the more you feel like that, the more, the stronger the bond becomes between manager and employee. Now, the other really nice thing about a company like ours is it's very horizontal. You have you know, a few people at the top, very minimal. And in the EOS, we have the integrator and the visionary. And right. then underneath that, because you have so many projects, you end up having so many captains, right? Each captain of a project, each captain of whatever you want to you know, designate it back to the submarine world. But the, the concept there allows that small group to obtain ownership of the project that they're trying to build. And that ownership allows them to maturely respond to issues within our boundaries and within our procedures. And those issues become theirs to solve and they feel responsible and they also feel very accomplished when they can get through it themselves. And so when you have a project and you have an issue, letting the team solve for their own problems gives them the onus that they feel they belong, that they can accomplish something on their own and that they can gloat that once this project is released, you know, and tens of thousands of users are on it, their fingerprint is on that project because they made all the right decisions. So when we have a number like 26 out of 27, we're on budget, on time in a year, each individual that worked on that one of 26 felt very onus that they accomplished that. And so that, that was the ability to go horizontal, but also the ability to grow uh, the company itself from project to project. Great. Andrew, it's so nice to see, you know, there's no uh, doubt why your name is double A because you're top of the list, but it's nice to see that, you know, the outcome, uh, you don't attach to the outcome, you attach to values, daily yeah. practices, and an execution model. That's correct. You have a framework for the people to work within and allowing self-regulation, you know, the best football teams, I'm a sports person, uh, the best football teams are self-regulated. It's the locker room that makes them win. Yes. The, leadership, the leadership provides the values, the daily practices and the execution model, but it's the leadership in the locker room. And I think, you know, with you know, 50 products, 14 startups, and I think you might have more now, yeah. 100% retention rate. It's a, a, a terrific example, not only of compassionate capitalism, uh, but even moreover of what I try to help companies do, create the framework of values, daily practices and execution. Uh, we have to have you back. I know Blaine, uh, has a show as well. I have other shows. So we, we'd love to have you back if you wouldn't mind uh, sure. for some other shows to help other people understand this. There's a lot more questions that we have. Um, but, you know, we, we were like, you tell us your life story. You got one minute. That, that was playing <laughs> with Office Hours. So uh, thank you for joining us uh, from around the world. Uh, Andrew Amen, check him out, 923.co. We appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me, David. Nice to meet you, Blaine. Talk to you, you later. You bet, Andrew. Look forward to talking again. Thank for you. sure. Thanks, everyone. All right. On. All right. It's the multicast. It's Friday trading on Thursday. We're, we're mixing and matching everything. I'm trying this out, Blaine. So I appreciate you always helping me. This is the yeah. first time I've done this. And it seems to be working extremely well. We got the guys in the waiting room. We got double J here, double B here, double A here. But here's the RG himself, Mobile <laughs> Rob Gill. And I had to bring Rob on as a guest because, you know, he, he brings it anyway. But there's no better time to bring Rob Gill on with what's going on in the world. And as I spent the weekend thinking about my financial illiteracy when I lost everything, you know, what would I have done when I saw the Silicon Valley uh, Valley Bank thing? What would I have done? Well, I lived through that with my own private bank. 
right? That's how you lose a hundred million dollars is <laughs> not understanding what a bank's role is in a private bank. You know, they can call you one day and say, Hey, I know you had a $40 million line, uh, but you can't access it now. So good, good luck with all your bills, brother. And uh, yeah. I had to have Rob Gill on because he's someone who helps me. He takes his time to learn and he has a big upcoming event for people to understand inflation, to understand the situation with Silicon uh, Valley Bank, March 23rd, 5 p.m. Uh, and he'll, he'll do Q&A, help you out with all these things. I highly suggest people joining him. Anyway, if that's not a good enough lead in, Rob Gill, uh, I don't know what I can do for you. <laughs> Welcome to mm -hmm. Office Hour. Hey, what's up, David? How are you? First of all, you've done enough already times 10 times 10 uh, where we compound energy and frequency. So we're all good, brother, especially the multiverse. You know, my Absolutely. favorite thing about Rob, he says, Hey, you know, this whole frequency thing, Dave, it's resonating with me, but I really don't understand it. But keep on keep on trying to explain it to me. But, man, I, I really it's resonating, but I don't understand it. So hopefully he'll keep teaching me financial strategies and I'll keep on teaching him frequency in his neighborhood. But you are in our neighborhood. You are in a frequency. Uh, you know, I'm going to start with a, a, a pertinent question. You know, obviously, high net wealth individuals are impacted by what's going on. Uh, and great raising awareness to what banks can and can't do, what they protect and what they don't protect. Um, and there, you know, is a lot of movement of money right now, including mine, because mm. I, I didn't realize, you know, I was completely exposed for millions of dollars thinking I was completely safe. Uh, what, what are some of the things high net wealth individuals who have over a hundred thousand dollars or two fifty in a bank account or joint accounts and what should they be thinking yep. or looking at or aware of? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, we look at, we look at, and I say it often, uh, there is no calamity bell warning. This happened on Friday. Yeah. Say that There's again, nothing. say that again. There's no calamity bell warning when these things drop, right? Um, you know, we were told Friday morning that the bank was shut down. That was it. And there was no, no one said nothing three o'clock on Wednesday, you know? Um, you know, you find these things out afterwards. And this is where, you know, reactionary behavior comes in and, Oh my God, I can't believe this happened, but the writing's always on the wall. I think in this situation, although it is getting momentum in other places, there there was rate, rate hikes that were coming. Um, mm -hmm. You know, what, what some smart folks are saying, and I, and, and I say smart folks, is that had there been a little bit more of a forward thinking strategy, they would have been able to handle this differently. However, they didn't. And it's funny, because I own a company, and I got a call from, from my other two partners, Dave, and they said, yeah, you know, we were, we were, you know, some of our, some of our stuff was in that bank, right? Which I, I didn't even know, you know, that's, that's as funny as that is because when I look at alternatives, it's so far into my outer world that it wasn't even processing when I first heard the news. But I think it comes down to understanding uh, first and foremost that you want to be able to control what you can control. Like what is a controllable ROI, we like to say. How do we frame and put our money in a frame where we know we could play from that space first and then off of that, be able to kind of, you know, get what I like to call multiple use of each and every dollar with the level of risk and how I deploy or how we deploy that capital based on that level of risk, based on the, the psychology of each and every individual, because we don't, we don't go cookie cutter. We really want to dig deep and find out who each person is. And I think, um, you know, when you see what happens on Friday, and we know that you know a lot of money's been printed over the last couple of years, and we know that real estate's going what it's going through, and interest rates they go higher, and the stock market is what it is, and there's so much uncertainty that if you're in that space and if you're 
relying on external forces at all times, you're going to find yourself not being able to compound frequency, not be able to compound energy. And as a result, your decision-making could be flawed. Yeah. That, um, that, that external view uh, is what gets a lot of people in a lot of trouble real quickly. Uh, mm. being, you know, what I mean by that is most people don't understand, and this is where the frequency structure comes into play, uh, and the compounding of the frequency. If, if I can learn to manage my internal uh, landscape, not the external landscape, but my internal landscape, that's where I start getting creative. And that's where, you know, to your point earlier in the show, David, you know, you start noticing things that you hadn't noticed before. Awareness pops in. And it's kind of like, yeah, you know, you know, the, the metaphor of PST, you know, PDT, you know, standard time, daylight time. All of a sudden you go, you know, interest rates are you know, doing this. There's going to be some fallout of that somewhere. And it's an intuitive, you know, I don't have to have a, a PhD in economics to understand that. It's just kind of like there are some sinks out there that uh, if I'm not paying attention, I can fall into real quickly here. And it's that internal thing. What's the frequency band on which this success actually exists? And being able to calibrate that effectively. It, it, in, and I don't know your work, uh, Rob. So, yeah, I know that David loves what you do. I'm sending you over there and you and you got to interview Rob as well. You'll know his work. Uh, yeah. He's the backbone behind uh, me understanding exactly how to be my own bank and, uh, you know, how to stay safe and uh, not even worry about a calamity bell that's not ringing. <laughs> good. Well, that's where I wanted to go with that is, you know, there, there, there's an early warning system at some point in time in some place, and it has to do with an internal <laughs> klaxon going yeah. off rather than an external klaxon going off. Can you talk about how you got there and how you work with your clients to kind of fine tune that internal klaxon? Yeah, thanks for that access. I appreciate that. And uh, David, thank you as well. I think that, you know, when we go to calamity bell warning mindset, it's only because it happened to me, right? So... I go back to March of 2000 when um, I was on Wall Street and not only was I bringing internet stocks to my clients, which were doing really well, I also owned internet stocks. And one day uh, the government sued Microsoft that began Apple's next run and yeah. the internet just stopped just seemingly out of nowhere, right? So because I didn't understand the importance of diversifying within and amongst asset classes and Ray Dalio mm -hmm. speaks about 18 different asset classes and he talks yeah. about in the lifespan of any asset class, it can or will go down anywhere between 50 and 75% at any point in time. So if you truly don't understand how to diversify, I'm not just talking about a 401k or yeah. the, the S&P 500. I'm talking about asset classes. And in order to understand that, at least from our perspective, you have to understand who you are relationship-wise to money. Does money mm -hmm. create scarcity? David and I had a really good conversation on, on his he interviewed me one time and he brought right to me my scarcity money mindset, which even at that point I was working on, but he was all over it right away. And the truth is, if we have a scarce money mindset, we will attract scarce behavior, which will expose us to calamity bell, uh, you know, being affected by the calamity bell without the warning. Right. So for us, we like to sit down and get to know who we're talking to. Our hello to yes is anywhere between 30 to 60, sometimes 90 days. And that's really getting to know each and every person, not only on the surface level, their representative, but really internally who they are 
through proper questions and time, T-I-M-E, things I must earn, to go to that process of discovery. And then through there, we, we create and design plans that sit and fit with their core values, whoever the person, business, or whatever the situation is. And to avoid the calamity belt, for me, I believe it starts with always being able to save money first, and then off of that money, being able to deploy it properly in other investments. And you have to know the FDIC rules. If you're sitting in the million in cash, and it's in an individual account in the bank, the only thing that's protected is 250000 If it's a, you know, so each spouse could do 250 250 If it's a joint, there's another split. But if it's all in an individual account, anything past two fifty is exposed. And folks sometimes don't even know that, right? And yeah. then the real question is, and I, I was watching on Netflix, like two days before the thing happened with the bank, the Bernie Madoff, um, you know, the, the, the day one until yeah. it all fell apart. And what was interesting, and I don't know if the rules are the same, but now I'm going to look at it because of what's going on. I think broker-dealers had to pay like $150 a year insurance for FDIC. <laughs> $150. So even if you had the, yeah, $150. So not per client, just per program, per, per broker-dealer. So I think that if you, um, and we, I want to I check that, but I think if, um, you know, listen, I think that if there's ever a run on a bank, even the 250 could be exposed if it's big enough. So, yeah. you know, when it comes to understand the financial pillars, one of the things that we talk about on Become Your Own Bank, and, and some people make the mistake like, yeah, put everything into this strategy. No, it's, it's part of the strategy, right? It's part of the overall financial mosaic where, you know, you're overfunding cash value life insurance to deploy it to other things, whether it's real estate, finance your own debt. Um, you know, even if you want to put money into other investment opportunities, that's okay if it's properly designed. Here's the thing, though. When it comes down to if there's ever an economic disaster, and I mean where we really fall apart beyond 08, the last pillars are going to be the mutual life insurance companies anyway, right? Yeah. So yep. they're more protected than the banks. And if we understand that and we could position our dollars appropriately, we become what I like to call financial st stealth ninjas. Yes. <laughs> So, Bob, you know, it's interesting because it, like anything else, I always say, if you love what you do, it'll tell you all its secrets. Um, oh. There's so many secrets. That's in, what I'm talking about. That's yeah, crazy. there's so many yeah. secrets in this. It's like I, I reach different levels of financial literacy. Uh, it's, you know, mirroring to me, you know, when I graduated high school, I thought I knew everything. And then college, I thought I knew even more. And then law school, I thought <laughs> I knew more. And when I lost over $100 million, I realized I don't know anything. Uh, and that mindset <laughs> helped me so much uh, with my financial literacy because you would think with all those fancy degrees and all the money spent that I would know what I'm talking about. What I learned was I don't know anything and I don't know what I'm talking about. I better go ask people like Blaine Bartlett to help me out with what's most important and start prioritizing things. Um, but it's in, in your space, it's so critical because people are like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I got a guy or they say, I, oh. I know, I, I know about that. And I'm like, I, I want to shake him and say, you know what? You sound just like a young guy named David Meltzer who was worth over a hundred million dollars. And I knew what I was talking about. I want to shake him and say, look, there's so many layers to this. The people you're like, you just taught me something like broker dealers have to be insured. I don't, I don't care. Broker dealers have to pay insurance, right? Like there's an issue to look at, to ask your broker dealer. Hey, bro, are you playing your insurance? Whether or not it's for, oh, yeah. right? Like there, there's so many different issues that come up and you trust people and you think my money's safe at Wells Fargo. 
right? You, you think, okay, my money's safe at Wells Fargo, but is it really, right? Is it really? And that's mm. why people come to the upcoming event because these, yeah. these little tidbits, these nuggets come out when you go and take the time and, and you come to a virtual event, it's free. And you sit there and you yeah. listen in, you listen in while you're, you're, you know, doing your emails, you know, it's at, at 5 PM, 8 PM Eastern time and everybody's checking their last emails. C- come stop in because these little things, I have so many questions just from talking to you today. Yeah. And I thought I was getting more literate, which I am, but that brings yep. up more questions about who I'm dealing with, what you know, what what they have as responsibility to me in the safest savings. Because with interest rates so high, there's a great way to hedge today where there wasn't, you know, my wife's like, well, why don't we do a, a T bill, you know, three years ago? Because they didn't pay any money. Yeah, that's right. right. 0.5%. That's right. Yeah, so there's yeah. so many questions, and you don't know what you don't know. I always people ask me how I lose all my money. I'll tell you simply, I didn't ask people who sit in a situation like Blaine Bartlett and Rob Gill. I didn't sit in a situation, ask them, hey, how do you get to where you are? You know, how uh, with yeah. your expertise, you're, you're an amazing bowler. I want to go to Earl Anthony and say, hey, man, teach me how'd you get to be such a great bowler? I don't want to go to Joe Schmo on the street hustling bowling balls. So uh, I think it's really important. I want to take the time uh, with Epic and, and you uh, that, you know, open books, open minds. You're going to give all the questions to ask people if you come in on March 23rd. Where can people sign up for the, the free live uh, meeting on the 23rd? Yeah, I think that uh, I think we definitely we, we, we added the link to the group here. Um, it's, you know, you could go to a couple of different things, but I think at the end of the day, if I could just say one thing, when it comes to March 23rd, David, which is a virtual live event to your point, it's about tax strategies for the wealthy to be the information to be given to everybody else. We want to make sure that, you know, we're not just putting money for a tax write-off where, you know, an accountant is just going to pick up the dead bodies on a battlefield, but it's really an understanding of tax strategies that the wealthy do so the money stays into the family generationally, of course, but also year over year for other opportunities. And another thing that I think people struggle with, and they only listen when we're going through what we're going through right now, and that's, listen, it's important for your financial professionals, all of them, to be on the same page for your benefit. And a lot of, a lot of times people say, well, but Rob, how do I get my accountant to talk to my you know, financial advisor if they're not connected already, or my estate attorney? Well, there's a tool we have, which is the Epic Wealth Builder. All your information is on one landing page, real time at the click of a button. And on that, you could put all your financial professionals on that page, which means I'm not gonna say you're the Rockefellers, but I'm not, not gonna say there's the characteristics there for you to have all your people on the same page for the benefit of your thinking. And it forces them to work together for you with all of their opinions. If the three mm-hmm. of us had an opinion for you know client A, at some point, if we truly care about client A, we're going to sit down and figure out what that looks like. Because we all, I may have one perspective on client A, you guys may have a different, but how do we get to your point, David, to the core of who they are? Well, we got to ask better questions, right? And if we're asking better questions, we'll be able to position them properly. And they may not have a big risk tolerance. They may want to do T-bills, or they may want to just put money in savings, or they may want to just keep it real, real simple and not be delusional about hey, if I keep it simple, I can't have X amount when I'm 65 because that math doesn't work. And sometimes you'll have people, we like to call it Kentucky math, look it up. You know, sometimes, and I learned that from our boy, uh, Randy Garn, 
you know, some people like to apply Kentucky math to like where they want to be when they're 65, if they're 50, 45 or 40. Point is, uh, we're going to talk about a lot of different things, including taxes now, including, you know, Silicon Valley Bank and other other calamity bell pass things that have happened and could happen again. But it comes down to the right hand speaking to the left hand. I think that, you know, we do have the link here, Dave. Um, you could probably see it, but I don't even have my glasses yeah, on. Epic so Financial Strategies, epicfinancialstrategies.com uh, forward slash David Meltzer is fine, but you can put epicfinancialstrategies.com. Sign up 5 p.m. Pacific yes. time and 8 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, thank yes. you, Rob Gill. Uh, thank you for everything you've done for me and my family. Thank you what you've done for my community. You. Your frequencies, your community. I know I'll keep trying to explain that to you, and you keep trying to explain financial literacy <laughs> to me. <laughs> Blaine, nice to meet you too, brother. David, I love you with all my heart. You know that. Look forward to a conversation about this. Thank, yes. thank you. Have a great, thank have you, a great Rob. time, guys. Bye-bye. Right on. I love Good it. Guy. All right. Good guy. I like him. I like where his head's at. Yeah, he's helped me a lot. And and we've had double A, double B. We've had GG in here as well. And oh, now yeah, JJ. Yay. And a good place to put your money, by the way, is into a small business. No better place to put your money in a small business than one that's proven. And this man has proven a model uh, with his junkies franchise, coffee junkies, pizza junkies. And he is uh, a love junkie for me because I just adore <laughs> what this guy has built. Look at that face. How can you deny the fact that the double J, Jason Julius, is here on our wonderful Friday training on Thursday, office hours edition. Welcome, JJ. Dave, thanks for having me on, brother. Then Blaine's pleasure meets you. Thank you for uh, well, having me on. Of course, I want to give a shout out to my team. If they could pin up, I know we have this is a multicast. If they can pin up uh, my email address as well on uh, the, the other places, I don't see it there. So people want to reach out to get Jason or or Rob or Andrew. Make sure that we're pinning that up there. Jake just joined. Thank you. All right, I'll pin that there. David at dmelter.com, by the way. All right, Jason, you you have been building a business and now you're franchising it. And I don't think there's a better time uh, with so many people, over 50% of the people in America want to start their own business, but they're going to pay a lot of dummy tax if they start their own, like you and I and Blaine have throughout our careers. Uh, give me a little bit of background on the junkies franchising uh, as you have coffee junkies and pizza junkies uh, and building this vision to help small business owners have a successful journey without having to pay the same dummy tax that you pay. I mean, that's, I, I think that's kind of a loaded question because <laughs> I, I see a lot of glamorization out there and everybody wants to do what they want to do, but they don't look at what the failure rate is. And the simple fact is any of us that go into business, like we, we have to have a mindset of, we're coming in to beat the odds, but they don't realize that 99% fail. It's huge odds of failure when you're trying to build something from nothing. And I look back and I'm like, I honestly, I don't know that I would advise anybody to do what I've done, uh, but it has been an evolution. I mean, I started Coffee Junkies in 2005 and started Pizza Junkies in 2014 and got a bright idea of what would they look like under one roof. And and it took me a couple years to actually integrate them and make them one operating business model. And now I can look back and when you have the success rate of 
of franchise operations. Uh, it's that struggle of, yeah, it looks cool, but it's somebody else's system and process. And mm-hmm. the question is, do you want to be an entrepreneur where you're responsible for everything and you have to build everything and make all of these decisions to get down the road? Or do you want to be in business with a high success rate and be able to be your own boss? But that means unpacking somebody else's system and executing somebody else's proven system. Yeah, that, you know, there's a real interesting, what's the word I'd use here? I'm not sure what it would be, but there's the, the entrepreneurial identity. It has to, yeah, in large part, it has to do with, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm, you know, bootstraps the Horatio Aljo story. You mean all of the stuff that kind of goes along with that. And I've been around enough folks that have gotten into franchise businesses where part of the, part of the deal is hang your ego at the door, hang your ego at the door. Uh, It doesn't have to have been invented here in order for it to be successful. So how do you work with your folks, your franchisees, uh, Jason, to help them get over that, what you were just describing? Yeah, that, that, you know, not invented here, it's not mine, to the point where they can legitimately feel as if it is mine as they unpack it. Because that transfer has to happen. It, it does. And it, it's like that feathering, that fine line of, you are there as an advisory role, uh, and at the same time, understanding that they're growing as business owners, and it's that: are you going to heavily advise, or are you going to offer them perspective and be like you're you're going to endure a certain amount of pain as you're going through this growth and finding your own way, and at the same time, because the hardest part is when they come in. They think that they have all of these great ideas, like somehow they see something that you don't see inside of your business. And it's like, no, we've, we've already put this wheel together. And over all of the years, we found out what does and does not work. And, and, and at times it's, okay, you're going to endure some pain. And I'm trying to tell you that type of pain is what costs you money. That's why you get into franchising, because we've already endured those pains and come to a proven system. And there is something to be said for being in business and actually surviving every day. That means unpacking a system and operating it to the best of your ability, not trying to change and tweak the system because they don't know all of the pain in the background that actually got to a proven system. And speaking of pain in the background, you know, one of the mindsets that uh, both of us have in common as well is, you know, you could be a victim or you could make it your story. Uh, and, you know, I think that is appealing to a lot of people that I teach that, you know, I was able to losing everything and all the wrong people and wrong ideas I'd surrounded myself with be able to transition to a great story that helps other people with their great stories. Um, for you, uh, you know, 13 uh, year career and you now all of a sudden have probably one of the most challenging struggles uh, that a father could have. How has that impacted your mindset uh, to help other people build their dreams uh, from your basement, which, you know, I'd say my basement had a basement, your basement of the basement had a basement. Uh, If you could share how you transitioned your mindset after a tragic loss uh, of your son. 
I, I don't even know that I can give you a great answer. I will say that, I mean, it, it's not natural to bury your child uh, and it, it does things to you. It, it changes you in so many ways. Uh, but I look at that higher power and it's like, I'm still here. Obviously, I'm still meant to be doing and I don't want to feel stagnant in my own life. And then obviously I've still got it's that I again, we go back to that feathering in life. I have to live up to my responsibilities in life, but I also still have to kind of walk my own path. And that's exactly uh, that. That's where I OK, I've got a family I've got to I've, I've got to support but I can still pursue my entrepreneurial journey. But mine was, I need something to wrap my brain around and entrepreneurship I felt like was, was the ultimate something that my brain would wrap around it and I wouldn't have time to focus on that grief. And, and ultimately that's, that's how I process the loss by throwing myself into entrepreneurship. Yeah. I've, yeah, I haven't lost a child. I lost a spouse. Um, and that, that what you're describing you know, in my language is you know, developing the capacity to move forward, but not necessarily move on mm-hmm. because there's stuff, you know, there's stuff in my life that I want to hold on to. I mean, there's memories that I have that inform who I am today. I mean, that's Dave, you know, lost a hundred million dollars. There's, there's tragedy in that. And it wouldn't be um, something that I know. And I've had conversations with Dave about this. It's not something that he would, want to repeat, but he's glad he's had it. Uh, it informs who he is today. My loss of my wife informs who I am today. Um, in a, in a very positive way, a very positive way. Um, so the idea, and, and I, I think where I'm going to you know, put the question here, uh, Jay is, uh, in the move to move forward, how much of your process actually was in service of honoring your son as you did that? Honestly, virtually all of it. I, I mean, okay. it was coffee junkies. You know, you get into business and you got to pick your logos and your color palette mm-hmm. and what you're actually going to do. I, I was fascinated by the industry, but when I developed it, I, I chose the color red. I mean, I, the, I had twin sons. Cole chose blue, which has always been my favorite color, and Connor chose red. So when I really started thinking about it, it was the deep blood red for family, for passion. And it made sense where I tell everybody, I mean, I have red throughout the entire organization and all of it represents my son. That that was, uh, it became a very internal thing that that I am raising and growing something that represents him. And and that's my life now at at this point. And I I look at his brother trying to imagine two of them and, and and the entrepreneurial journey is the representation of. Yeah. Beautiful. And just, just on, uh, you're giving an opportunity to others to learn from you. Um, And you well to ask for help from some of the greats out there uh, for you. Uh, you know what is the opportunity for people today as they're searching uh, with something with uh, the values that they have for those people out there that aren't familiar with coffee junk junkies what's the for them uh, to reach out to you uh, as well uh, at either one of the domains or just 
uh, that you're offering. You're breaking up there. I think I think I got the, the, the gist of. Uh, I mean, coffee junkies and pizza junkies is meant to be a, a dual brand under one roof operation. And it's just simply that a lot of people will create food businesses and the auxiliary is, okay, well, we got to have some drinks. I, I mastered the drinks and that is one brand. And then I mastered the food and I got them to work together. And you can find them at coffeejunkies.com or pizzajunkies.com. And there's a tab for franchising that leads you to Double J Franchising itself. Uh, and that's, I mean, it's food and beverage. And it's something that that, that is, I, I like to think that, I mean, that if I can beat the odds putting this together and, and I'm not an overly special guy, that that it is a way for uh, for people to actually get into business and, and pursue their, their own freedoms and their own entrepreneurial journey. Um, without having to be rocket scientists. <laughs> That's good. Thanks, guys. Thanks. You bet. Take care, Jason. And David, you're, right. uh, you know, we've got some technical glitches on your side, I think. You're, you're, you're breaking up a bit. Welcome to Mexico City, my friend. So uh, maybe you can lead uh, the, the Q&A here. I'll, I'll have uh, Jake bring up a question and you lead, okay? Okay. What do you say? Someone up for us? Yeah, I can hear you. Gigi's going to ask a question. I'll, I'll go ahead and... Can you hear me okay, Blaine? I, I can hear you now, yeah. All right, good. All right, so go ahead. Go ahead, Jake. Perfect. Yeah, let's bring up uh, Gigi to ask a question here. It looks like he's joining right now. All right, Gigi's going to join. We're trying out something new here for everyone here. Email me at david at dmelzer.com uh, if you'd like any of uh, the information that we've had today or the key values, uh, which is a framework from uh, Andrew that we've worked on, uh, please just email me, david at dmelzer.com. Is Gigi up and ready? All right, we'll take a question, Jake. Uh, Blaine, we'll, let's take a question. Hopefully there's one, uh, sorry, Blaine, right here in the note. Uh, yeah, uh, let me just see. Oh, yeah, I have one here. How can you prepare yourself to win each day with every task you do. So how do we prepare ourselves to win, Blaine? Routine. Um, <laughs> you you got to have things you know, that are rep, uh, repl uh, replicable. Um, so I start you know, my day off by closing off my evening so that I'm ready to go the next morning. So there's a piece in place there. So I when I wake up in the morning, I, I know where I'm going to go. I mean, that, that piece is not in question for me. So there's, there's routine and there's practice. You know, what are you practicing? Um, most people get distracted by the external world. You need to be able to manage your internal conversation, your internal world. That's the whole key to being successful in life is managing the internal conversation. And the way that you begin to do that is, you know, through rigor and practice and discipline. You need to be able to you know, position yourself to start the day strong. 
I feel you, my break with your dance. You can hear me. No, you can't. Hear me? All right. I'm gonna drop off for a minute. Can you hear me, Blaine? Yeah, yeah, you're you're in and out. Yeah, that's uh we, we lasted a long time and then the internet's given out in Mexico City. Um we're gonna go ahead and, and close out uh today. I wanna thank Blaine so so much. Thank you so much, Double B. Check him out, blainebartlett.com here on Office Hours. Thank you, Blaine. We'll, you we'll bet, buddy. Now. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for waking up early. Yeah. And uh, hey, give for me, a big hug tomorrow. And tell Cynthia happy birthday once again. Uh, hopefully, she got our flowers. I, I saw a picture. So thank you. Yeah, we got them yesterday. Thank you. You love her. All You're right, making bye. me look bad. Uh, that, that's impossible. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much uh, for everyone, especially my team. For uh, those of you who are here, I appreciate you. Please email me if you want my five daily practices to create the right routine. Know what your what, know your who, know your how. Know your now and your next to apply your why. Uh, it's free. You get a free book. I'll sign it, send it to you, paper shipping, and the book. That's uh, not a problem. David at dmeltzer.com. Thank you everyone for the questions and our great guests double a double b double j uh and rob gill thanks for joining me remember most importantly be more interested than interesting be kind to your future self and do good we'll see you tomorrow thank you